What up, everyone? Welcome back. How many times have you asked yourself, would I be bigger if I could just work harder? Maybe if I could hustle as much as Ashney Christ or whoever else, insert streamer here, your favorite streamer, then maybe I would be able to make it and to make this dream come true. Today, I'm super thrilled to speak to someone who... Um, is incredibly inspirational. She is a tech YouTuber and is absolutely freaking crushing it. She's worked with people like Gary Vee and Casey Neistat, among many other inspirational human beings. But we talk about hustle culture and uh, what it takes to to grow as a creator and also what it takes to get people involved into a narrative in streaming and if that's even possible. And there are a lot of interesting topics today. So I'm very hyped for y'all to hang out with me and Sarah Dietschy. I will see you after the episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Stream Coach Podcast. Today with me, I have an incredible content creator, YouTuber, podcaster, bad B-word <laughs> in the tech space on YouTube, Sarah Dietschy. What's up, Sarah? What's up, guys? It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. Congrats, okay, by the way. First, uh twitch podcast yeah of all time yeah yeah what's up dude (laughs) so first i wanted to say congrats on hitting 500,000 subscribers i just saw that this morning i was like yeah yeah that's awesome that's a million isn't that crazy that's wild i I feel like the 100,000 subscriber mark was very significant and then i feel like the next one is like a million but it's it's cool to it's cool to see, um, you know, 500,000 too, of course. With YouTube, you're always kind of worrying more about views. I don't know if people are as stressed out about subscribers um, just because like views are all over the place, but it's it's cool. That means like 500,000 people liked me enough to hit that subscribe button at one point, even if it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Even if later on they're like, oh, I don't watch this channel anymore. Whoops. Exactly. <laughs> or YouTube doesn't send out notifications, you know? Oh so. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think what's really interesting about you is your journey. You've talked about this a few times um, in your YouTube videos. You talked about the grind kind of from like zero to 10,000 subscribers and then you made a video about Casey Neistat where you you talked about how to Casey Neistat a blog can you talk a little bit about that for us just for those who don't know and that come up kind of hustle that you started with definitely yeah so originally uh from Dallas Texas so born and raised there I spent 20 years there and then a random year in Nashville and then I eventually ended up here in New York City I've been in New York for uh the past three years and I posted my first YouTube video in 2011 so I've been at it for a while and it really started with I was like really into music in high school so my dad had like a Canon T3i so I was the person they would come to for music videos and I started editing uh, really in middle school, I, I fell in love with editing before filming. And so I was always, you know, the go-to person for goofy rap music videos. And then I had to grow up and go to college. Um, so I was a math science geek. So I pursued electrical engineering in college, but while also doing kind of like video production, YouTube on the side. And there was just something that happened where engineer like I was like what am I doing this is miserable three years of engineering and it's still not clicking I hate it 
I got to do something about it. And luckily uh, around that same time, you know, I ran out of scholarship money, ran out of money, period. So I really had to make the decision of whether I was going to live my life for plan B at the age of 20. And that freaked me out. So I dropped out. And I, I dropped out with 4,000 YouTube subscribers, which is pretty ambitious. But at the time, you know, I had a job at like a production company, just doing really boring corporate, corporate gigs. So I was safe. I could pay my, you know, cheap Nashville rent, but I really wanted to do this YouTube thing. So I learned about uh, something called the Adobe Creative Residency. Um, and they basically, I applied, I got it. And they basically funded my passion projects for an entire year, which is amazing. And then at the same time, I made a viral video about Casey Neistat, and I automatically had the funding and the audience going from 4,000 to 100,000 subscribers in one month from that. And I kind of, yeah, haven't looked back. That was, I guess all that was happening at the end of 2015 or beginning of 2016. So I feel like, so with Twitch, uh, there's this massive conversation that goes on in our community where we talk about kind of like waiting for that big break, right? So there are a lot of people, especially streamers who have been around for a long time that say that a lot of this is just luck and like getting lucky is basically something that a lot of creators are waiting on. Like they're waiting for that one large person to finally recognize them and to give them enough attention to where all of a sudden they have the views and the exposure. And now people are caring about what they have to say too. How big of a part do you feel like luck played versus you just creating all the time? Yeah. Um, so I, I like, it's a great question and it's something I enjoy talking about, but I like to kind of separate the two words luck and serendipity. I think serendipity has played a huge part in my life, but luck is being born where I was born. Luck is being born with a roof over my head. I didn't have to worry about, you know, paying for food, grew up in a middle-class family. Like that is luck. That is having a Wi-Fi connection. Oh my gosh. Hashtag blessed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then serendipity is really when your work kind of meets opportunity and all of the work that you've done in the past really meets this crossroads of opportunity and preparation. And so um, I, I think a lot of people say, oh, all I need is that big break. But if they're not putting in the work before that big break is really never going to come. I mean, look at Ninja. He was a professional Halo player. He was streaming how many years? Like 10 years before the Drake thing happened. Um, and, and so I think it's a lot of people think things are overnight when in reality, everything Ninja did for the past 10, 15 years of his life led up really to that one moment. And, um, you know, I don't know how many concurrent he had before that, whether it was 5,000 or 2,000, I don't know. But um so much of it's like a lot of people think that one moment is what makes all of the difference but it's really all of that hard work you put in before to where if that opportunity comes along you can take it and go right before um so yes holy heck I'm lucky holy smokes serendipity played in ways that I I can't even describe. Um, But I I think there's a lot of things that you can do to make serendipity more likely and going to those uh, conferences, shaking those hands, making those videos, doing everything, doing all of the work. So the moment that these opportunities come along, you can just go for it. Right. So, um, so yeah, the fact 
luck is the fact that if you're on the stream right now, it means you have a Wi-Fi connection. You're lucky. That mm-hmm. is like $50 a month. You have a computer. What? That's crazy. And um, then, yeah, it's just up to you to put in the work and let serendipity play its play its course. I love that. Definitely like taking responsibility for the power that you could have instead of waiting around for some fairy to like drop it onto yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's one of... It's funny because uh, a lot of people think it just happened, but <laughs> there was so much planning. Um, people don't know, know this, but a year before or six months before that viral Casey video, I actually um, like sent him a package and like linked my uh, docu series at the time, Creative Spaces TV, in the package, and uh, I got like a hundred subscribers from him opening up packages um and and showing my letter and I was like yes this is amazing a hundred new subscribers from like sending him these cool notebooks um and from that moment I was like oh what's like a larger scale thing I can do um to really like siphon off of his audience because um, it was in the beginning where he had just hit a million subscribers I had been following him even before the vlog days so um it was one of those things where his audience was so engaged so hungry he hadn't done really any shout outs before then so I feel like I was kind of the the first one and it really um it obviously took um it took yeah (laughs) and then you know I had literally four years of content of me uh you know doing the fun tech stuff, unboxing cameras, but also, um, you know, I had taken the time, no one funded it, but I went and shot this docu-series called Creative Space TV, where when people came to my channel after that shout out, they had so much stuff to work, uh, watch. They had four years of a back catalog to watch. So, um, so yeah. That's awesome. What do you feel like it is about like Casey's stuff that made the audience so engaged? I mean, he is the original, I don't know, in YouTube, it was different three years ago. There was, mm. it wasn't as saturated. He was the first person to really put out quality stuff that engaged you every single day. I mean, I think so many people, you know, he posted every morning at 8 a.m. So many people started their day with him. They had their coffee and breakfast with him every morning and it created this crazy bond. Um, and I think we've seen that with everything that he does. People are just stoked on it. And, um, you know, I was, I was definitely a fan too. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that you're right. That's such a huge thing with content creation. I feel like it's, man, YouTube has changed so much, but Twitch has changed so much too. And both of them went from people kind of, and streamers and YouTubers being on these pedestals where, they are celebrities. And while that's still very much true, it's so centered around the community now and like how people can come together. Um, And it's really, really fascinating. I want to transition a little bit though and talk about another person who's really inspiring to to my community, the Yam Fam, and I'm sure yours too, which is uh, Gary V. And I wasn't originally Mm going to bring this up, but I saw an ad this morning while I was watching some of your videos. And he was specifically talking about almost like redefining himself where he feels this level Mm -hmm. of responsibility um, for the information that he gives out now. And for the longest time, he's been the poster child of like hustle culture. Um, 
And lately he's taking this redefinition and he's thinking more about happiness and he's been talking about it the whole time, really. But he's really trying to show people that, yeah, hustle is great, but it's because he truly enjoys it. Um, and not so much because he just thinks that you should work until you die. Uh, how do you feel yeah. about this like redefinition and just like the idea of hustle culture and and how it's been um, how it's grown among the creative community? Yeah, um, I actually so the moment after there's this big article going around about you know titled it hustle porn and it just caught on like wildfire on the yeah. internet and mm-hmm. you know, everyone kind of started dragging him so um around that time I was actually at VaynerMedia and I had five minutes with him to actually talk about that so there's actually a video on my channel of him like addressing hustle porn directly and it's one of those things where I think once you get to the level that he is um you're gonna have a lot of people that take a sound bite and misconstrue that and then write an article about it. <laughs> um, mm. it's, it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, like the, the hustle working a nine to five is way different than the hustle of owning your own business and um, building something that is bigger than you. And, and I think if you're a business owner, you have to take into context that, uh, you know, your employees aren't going to work or hustle as much as you, you, you hope for that, that you can work with people that have the same work ethic or, um, have the same goals as you, but it's, it's something that, yeah, it's, it's great, I guess, that he's trying, you know, that he's taking that narrative instead of the people who are criticizing it. Um, but I think that's always been like the core of his message. And I'm obviously such a big fan of him. I mean, I've met you know how they say don't meet your heroes? Mm-hmm. He's the one dude who I've met that has drastically exceeded my expectations of he like he is the nicest human. He greets every single person in the room, whether you're the talent, whether you're the videographer, whether you're, you know, just XYZ. Um he I yeah, I love that dude. So I don't have really uh yeah, much to say about it in terms of like you, you, I guess what he's, what he says about it, you just have to find whatever makes you happy, right? Yeah. If grinding and hustling and uh, building your business is what you like. I mean, literally for me, I, I don't know anything different than just like doing everything at full speed. My job is making videos and making content and I don't know how to turn that off. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll have nights where I'm eating dinner with my boyfriend and it's fun to pause and watch Netflix for an hour, an hour and a half, maybe sometimes if we get crazy, two hours. Um, and that's kind of my release. And I love that. <laughs> I love like roaming around New York City and uh, booster boarding and stuff. But all of that really fits into my lifestyle well. And that's why I love New York. And everything is connected to just making videos. And um, that's just what, if you can find something that you're so passionate that it kind of just there is no separation with work and life. I think that's really cool, but you have to have the awareness of like, is that you? Do you need to turn off at 5 p.m. at 6 p.m. every day? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's definitely, oh, I love that you're encouraging people to 
just find what's true to them, regardless if that means like you're just hustling or if you are a person who you need to turn off and you need to decompress a little bit. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that lifestyle is so evident in all of the videos that you make, too, because you're constantly like you're out in the city. John's a big part of what you do and the storytelling aspect of what you do. What you both do is so good. Like I haven't really been into skating my entire life. My boyfriend <laughs> skates too. And like, he's got to start teaching me soon. That's so awesome. maybe we can like double yeah. date and y'all can laugh at me or something. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find it so interesting that I can watch a video from John and it's so fascinating even though I don't skate because of the storytelling components and you had this great video that came out the other day where you talked about storytelling in videos and the three pieces that it needs Uh, you talked about like thread theory and kind of let it breathe and then the the rule of three and how important storytelling is to making a really good Mm -hmm. video Uh, do you feel like there's potential with like some kind of intersection between storytelling and streaming yeah I mean that's That's actually a really good connection that you made because I think that's almost the thing that might be missing from streaming. Um, Everything else that we consume in life, there is a little bit of a structure and a thread to it. And, um, you know, it it might take things that you're doing where you're kind of like having blocks of your stream for interviews or kind of separating things so people know what's coming up so there's things to um expect and get excited about and uh i think streaming is such an interesting thing that everyone is trying to do every company is trying to tap into it because obviously people enjoy it people watch it um and i think for gaming it has really reached its maturity and people know what's up they know what to expect but almost everything else it still seems kind of like the wild west and with whether you're writing an article a video a feature length movie there's some sort of beginning middle and end there's some sort of thread that keeps you connected to things and um i think streaming is really the only medium that anything is possible, which makes it so exciting and intriguing. But at the same time, I think that's why maybe it's a little bit harder for people to grasp because it's not just a bite-sized thing that people can see on Twitter, see on Instagram, get intrigued, click on your Twitch, and then, oh, wait, if you're not streaming right now, then, oh, okay, I guess I'll wait for next time, but then they forget. So it's it's interesting. Streaming is it's so, so great to build community because, you know, I'm looking at the comments, you, you see what people are saying and um, you can really engage with them and feel like you're connected and it's so special for that. Um, but then as, as it living as your main pillar of content is something that I, I feel like people are still trying to figure out. You probably have way more insight on this than, than I do. No, I think that's perfect. I've for a long time tried to figure out the intersection between like storytelling and streaming. And it's, I feel like there's such a huge opportunity there, but it hasn't been done before. And I'm not a storytelling expert. I don't know what that looks like, but I think that there's a, like I said, a big opportunity for someone to come in and to, to really do something cool with it. Um, if anything, I mean, where it's at right now, it's this like, it's this massive version of storytelling where we don't have those, those minuscule stories we can tell in a single stream. It's we're following a story over many years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's almost like you need the, um, 
you almost need the ancillary socials to help with that maybe because you you need a way to bottle up what you're talking about who who you're about nail down your story um to where because people might not connect with the 30 seconds of you talking about xyz when they click on your stream and they'll Mm -hmm. kind of be like oh okay that's not for me but they don't understand that oh talk about all of these things and they would probably learn so much from you if they just stuck around and uh, it's it's so fascinating yeah I I, I love the I don't know because I've been I've kind of been like a fly on the wall with all of this stuff with Ninja and him switching to Mixer and uh, you know I started paying attention when I think the whole rest of the world did when the whole Drake moment happened and it is so fascinating and then seeing you know the apps that are out with the the live questionnaire one uh what's it called um oh i forgot what it's called where they ask questions and like it's like basically you oh my gosh can can the i bet chat knows help out (laughs) help fam it's like this huge questionnaire app where you basically compete for the right answer. You earn money and it's live. So what? the host is live. I think his host is, his name is Scott. It's like a whole app. I think it's like a HQ? purple icon. H, yes, something HQ. Is it just is HQ? That? Yes. Thank you. I haven't Four heard shot. about that at all. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, it was, it was this huge phenomenon where hundreds of thousands of people gather on an app at a certain time you compete for questions you if you get to the final round you earn some money and there's a sense of community where you're logged into this app you're playing with everyone else super exciting so um but that went in phases not as many people use it right so streaming always has these moments but it's hard for them to stick like a youtube has stuck so yeah No, I completely agree. And I wonder if that's like an inherent problem with streaming not being able to be something that you can, you can express your narrative consistently. I've told my story so many times on the stream, but if someone's not in for that, like 10 minute time period, and they come in in that off time, they don't get that sense of of connection with who I am, what I do. That's, oh, that is so cool, though. There should be a game show like that on Twitch. Someone has to have that. There should. (laughs) It's it's weird that Twitch, because I'm sure they're doing fine with money since Amazon bought mm-hmm. them. So it's fascinating to me that Twitch hasn't paid people to stream exclusively on, on this platform um, or, or at least funded pursuits like, you know, YouTube has the YouTube Red thing, the YouTube Premium, whatever they're calling it. Um, Cause yeah, it's still, it still seems like a thing of people just need to find something that they enjoy to get them on this platform. I didn't know, you know, I'm sitting here watching Twitch. I didn't know that World of Warcraft was like still the biggest game that people watch. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And I think even just the, the gaming side of stuff, everyone sees Twitch as a gaming platform, but there's so much more. There's cooking and music and tech. There are people yeah. that edit YouTube videos live. There's um, coaching and wow. stream advice and business advice. There's, I mean, pretty much everything exists. It's just the gaming side is so massive that that's what it's known right. for. Um so yeah, there's definitely so much more opportunity for people to be creating weird stuff and all of that content's really starting to do well now, which is exciting. Um, yeah. Something that's really cool about talking to you <laughs> is that you're really well-spoken 
And you definitely have this like developed personality on camera. Um, And this is the same with your videos too, where you just have such a good YouTube personality and just on camera personality in general. Can we talk about this a little bit? Because this is something that a lot of streamers (laughs) struggle with. Now that you say that, I'm uh, you're like, like, I do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where people assume that you're naturally good at it. So that's what you do. Oh, you're naturally good at camera. So you make videos in front of the camera. And oh my gosh, like a little piece of encouragement. It's a process. So you can learn um, to talk on camera to handle yourself. Because if you go back and watch my original videos, I am, I would say now the person I am on camera is a way more accurate depiction of how I am in real life. If, if you talk to me in real life, my original videos, I'm, I'm so quiet. Like my body language is like very like in, in, you know, whatever. And I'm kind of like, I don't make eye contact. And who wants to watch that? Right? Like you, you need someone who's engaging, who talks to you like straight in the eyes and can, uh, you know, form a complete sentence. And I think streaming is hard because you're, you're essentially multitasking, which if you're playing a game, you also have to look at the chat. You have to engage. And I have such an immense respect for streamers to be able to be entertaining. Because really, for me, I get to edit out the um, the stuff that doesn't work, right? I can talk to the camera for three minutes, be super energetic. What's up, guys? Blah, 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 blah. And then I can, okay, <laughs> what do I want to say next? Accurate. And then I can edit that out, <laughs> right? So streamers really don't have the the pleasure to um have those moments and uh, and yeah and I mean it started two years ago when I started doing my first talks too I, I really had to be intentional with um recording myself seeing how I talk oh okay Sarah you're saying um way too much you're saying like way too much and I get to do that every week with my podcast it's one of those things where I try not to listen back to it because I don't want to hear myself talk for an hour. That can get slightly annoying. It's one thing editing a 10 minute video. It's another thing hearing myself talk for an hour. Um, But I I really had to intentionally listen to it and see how I'm responding to people. uh, Notice how I'm putting sentences together. Because in the beginning, I was I did have to adjust. I was talking to people like I talked to people in real life. If we were having a conversation in real life, I'd be like, yup, cool, sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a very, you know, I do things with my body. I like positive affirmations is something that I do a lot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first few podcasts, you'll notice that I'm... I butt into the conversation a little bit too much. I'm I'm sitting there in the mic and be like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no one wants to listen to that. You have moments where you input your opinion. That's why they're there. But when someone else is talking, let them talk, you know? <laughs> so yep. it's a journey. That's mm-hmm. the whole point that I was trying to make. It's something that you can improve upon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was listening back to it like a, a really big part of your your journey then I think with videos I because I my thing is editing so I'm forced to sit there and and watch myself so videos was much much easier because I was the one editing no one else was editing so that helped me learn very quickly I encourage for people to kind of try everything in the beginning because you're going to learn 
you're going to learn way quicker, right? And way quicker. See, I don't think that was proper English, but <laughs> you're going to learn quicker. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I think with podcasts, I, I had to, that was more, that was more difficult because I had to sit there, put in my ear pods, listen to this great conversation you had with someone, but you're probably going to cringe with every like, with every, um, with every, yeah. So long form content is really hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 It's so much different from a YouTube video where like you, you said you can edit out so much of that, but oof yeah I know it's hard it's but but I I say that because it would be extremely discouraging if I sat here and was like yep I've been a great talker since the moment I was born you guys are screwed sorry it's something that you start in one place and it's a journey if you want a good laugh I still have some some videos up from 2012 2013 of me and they're just awful You'll, you'll look at me, you'll be like, what's going on with her hair? What's going on with her makeup? Why is she whispering? What is this? Take, take me out of here. Oh, um, we're watching all yeah. of those later. Oh, all of them. <laughs> Let's do it, fam. <laughs> 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 so something I notice of people that are like in the position that you're speaking to right now, where you're trying to learn how to get comfortable on camera and trying to learn how to get Uh, better speaking and just being a better creator in general is that there's a lot of fear preventing them from just keeping going and sticking with it to the point where they do end up getting better. Did you have any of those fears that you had to overcome? Yeah, man, I, it's weird with questions with fear and like self-doubt or I almost experienced some of that probably more now because this is my job and it's almost my job to analyze everything and do all of that. But in the beginning, I just had my blinders on. I was so determined and so focused and it was almost being doing something that I hated, being an electrical engineering major, uh, switching to a computer science major and figuring out, oh, this sucks too. Congrats to everyone who's a coder. I have mass amount of respect for you because you can make things just happen and make, you know, have an idea and make it come into the real life. But I hated it. It was awful. And having those things that I was doing homework till 2 a.m. and hating it and hating it, but I still had a little bit of energy to edit until 4 a.m. And that's what I was really, it was really like making me stoked on life. And once I understood that and I just started falling in love with the process of video making and with every finished video I had, there was this not, it wasn't even like, it was a mixture of a sense of relief because it is so much hard work, but more of like, I made that. What? It, it was, I, I still get that feeling, right? It's, it's like such a fun feeling. So once you find something that really uh, sparks you like that, it's almost like all fear. You don't even think about it. You literally put the blinders on, you see your finish line and you just go. For me in college, it was, oh, I learned about this Adobe creative residency thing because I had gone to a conference. So I was already like every babysitting, guitar lesson money, rec- uh, basketball refereeing, everything went back into traveling for conferences, buying camera gear. And the moment I, I figured out what this Adobe Creative Residency thing was, I was still in college. I was like, oh, that's my ticket out and I'm going to get it. It was, it was uh, the, the first Adobe resident who I met, she, she had only been doing it for literally 
uh, like five months, four or five months. And the moment she started talking about it, I was like, next year, I'm going to be the resident. All right, let's reverse engineer this. I have seven months to become the model candidate for this. Then let's go for it. So that was my ticket out. I dropped out of college on the, on the, the you know, idea that I was going to be an Adobe creative resident and that's how I was going to make it my job. And I announced it to the world. I announced it to my family that I was going to do it. And I did it, you know. And, and so the only fear I think I had was that I was going to be an electrical engineer and hate my life for the rest of my life. And that's that fear is what really drove me. Oh, that level of grit is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love that you just fell in love with video and you took a chance and went after it. So many of us, we yeah. just stay miserable in our lives because society tells us go to college. There's no time or... for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, society tells you fit in the mold, be like everyone else. But at the same time, hey, you're entitled to everything, which is such a confusing message because you have everyone in the news guaranteeing you X, Y, Z. But the moment you put all of your hope into another person for your life, you're screwed like you've already lost um, so yeah, it's kind of taking that responsibility on yourself and figuring out where you want to be reverse engineer it and make that, yeah, your, your every day. How do you get to that point B? Oh, so true. That's so good. I want to know you love video and that's very obvious. You're super passionate about it. That's going to be a big part of what you do. I mean, for the foreseeable future and probably far after that. But what's like your ultimate vision if you could build anything? Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's such a good question. I, I've always wanted to, you know, build something bigger than me. My personal brand is me. And as much as I want to grow that, I think over the past year, I've had the realization that what makes me happy with that is it's it's me. It's me doing it. And it's doing what I love. So I can have people come along and, and help me with the stuff that I don't necessarily need to be involved with. But at the end of the day, the finished video, the finished product, in order for me to be stoked on it, I really have to be 100% hands on. Um, so I think it's yeah, just building up other projects and seeing how I can incorporate other people in them and this whole world of being a creator making video, you come along things that are problems to be solved. And with that, it's very exciting to ideate how, how to solve them, whether it's uh, making an app, whether it's making a website, um, or just inspiring people along the way to help them live their best creative life. So yeah, not just, of course, making content will always be my thing for the foreseeable future, but uh, working with other people to kind of build bigger ideas that live beyond me, I think, what really excites me. Mm-hmm. Super big, but Sarah Dietschy Enterprises. Let's go. <laughs> yes. Let's go, guys. Yeah, make it happen. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm so excited for you and your future and everything that you're going to build. Where can everyone find you online? Yeah, so um, my podcast is back, which is very exciting. I basically, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk was my first guest. So um, from CEOs to YouTubers to artists, just trying to live their best creative life. I interview those people and it's called That Creative Life. You can search it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and yeah, I'm just at Saradici on every single social. And this has been super fun. This is like this weird world that everyone loves, but I feel like I rarely get to be a part of. So, so thank you. It's an honor. 
All right, Sarah, girl, anytime you want to come on and hang out, I got you. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming and visiting with us on the show. I know your time is super valuable. So if there's anything that I can ever do for you, don't hesitate to, to reach out and I'd be glad to do whatever. Um, thank you all for listening. I hope that that was super helpful for you. If you have any questions, you can reach me at Ashney Christ on any social media platform. And don't forget to like the show, subscribe if you haven't already, and leave us a, a comment on iTunes. That would be super solid. It actually helps a lot of people find the show uh, if you leave comments over there. So I appreciate you. I love you so much. And I will see you next time. Bye.